What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel the podcast into the tops of those iTunes charts, giving it more visibility on the national and international levels and helping strangers find the podcast and just contributing to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the people that have already taken the time to do so. Uh, Really stoked to get in to episode 220 of this thing. I've got Dan Englander on the podcast, the head of King Underground, a record label out of England, and uh, yeah, stoked to share our chat. It's been a while since I've had somebody on from more of the industry side of things, and it was really great to kind of hear Dan's story of how he uh, started this label and just kind of his insight into the business and whatnot. Was uh, it was a great hang and a cool way to get to know him. So we will get into that momentarily. You can also check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features a bunch of in-studio performances from a couple years back, as well as some live show performances um, of the last few years. All kinds of different music featured on there, from rap and hip-hop to low-key singer-songwriter stuff. So kind of something for everybody on there. encourage you to check it out. There's There's like 150 videos up there. And uh, if you hit subscribe there, you can uh, know when when new videos hit the feed. You know, obviously, there's not a whole lot of video production going on at the moment under these the uh, current circumstances. But hopefully, we'll be able to get some more of that content rolling up there soon. I hope everybody is doing well out there, staying safe, wearing your mask, washing your hands, so we can get back to going to see live music and getting people well again. Um, Really stoked, man, to share this conversation with y'all. Dan touches on his his passion and and love for his label that he's been doing for the last 15 years and um, just kind of got me reflecting on this thing a bit. And I'm just so stoked to still be doing this every week 220 episodes deep i i still love doing this podcast and i feel like each week somehow it it uh it kind of represents more and more of what i've wanted it to be from the beginning and i'm just uh i'm stoked on the conversations that i'm that i'm having with people and uh 
the opportunities I'm having to connect with somebody like Dan who lives in another country or, and, uh, you know, just this network of people that, that you build up pretty organically when you start hanging around a music community or an art community, you just meet a lot of, uh, like-minded folks and i'm extremely grateful for it and if this is your first time checking out this podcast i would just encourage you to go back and check out the last few episodes and check out some interviews with some artists the the last few have been so much fun i'm i'm really stoked on the the some aliens podcast that was number 218 and last week's 219 with marcus mccauley was another great great chat and uh High Pulp is a band that's mentioned on this uh, this podcast episode as they are uh, part of the King Underground family and my connection to Dan and they were on episode 217 of this thing. So if you want to get some more insight into that band, I would definitely uh, encourage you to check out that episode. I also do uh, a podcast that comes out in this feed called I Dig Records with uh, my mentioned cousin, Rob Bobby Grooves Granfelt. And we've released about five of those thus far. So check those out there in the feed as well. Those have been a lot of fun. We're just listening to records and, and talking about tracks. And we should have volume six coming at you in the next week or so. So definitely look out for that. I will put all the links in the episode notes for uh, for King Underground and any other helpful information there as well if you want to you want to hit me with an email or send me a dm on instagram you can uh, check out those links and uh, i think that's all the all the ramblings for the the top of this thing i'm i'm excited to get into this episode so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep things brief up top and we are gonna kick off episode 220 with dan englander from King Underground Records out of England with uh, a track from High Pulp, the first single released by King Underground. And you can find this on all the streaming platforms and soon on a, uh, a double vinyl release of Bad Juice. This is Hokai. Let's do the damn thing.
How's it going? Can you hear me, Dan? I can. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you, man. How are you? Good, man. How's it going? Yeah, good, good, good. All right, Dan. Well, I'm stoked to uh, have the opportunity to chat with you. My my cousin, Bobby Grooves, speaks highly of you. And that is how <laughs> I uh, have this connection with you. Uh, and you have this record label, King Underground, that I'm uh, yeah, super curious about how you got this thing going and, and kind of your your musical background and how you you catch the the music bug in your life so i figure we start there and kind of piece together how you get um 15 years into to running this label that you started um well first of all thanks for having me on the show dan um and my musical background i guess as a kid i listened to growing up in the car i guess the same story as most people listening to your parents' music they're playing in the car, which was like Carol King, um, Billy Joel, um, Dion Warwick, that kind of stuff. A lot of kind of soul and soul music. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of my early inspirations for music. But I skateboarded as a kid. Nice. Um, and that's where, <laughs> that's I guess it's like the cliche thing. I, you hear this story a lot, really. But, um, yeah, I skated as a kid. Um, and... Yeah, I think through skateboarding, I kind of got into hip hop um, and then slowly got into like making music. And then that kind of rediscovered getting back into, you know, the Carol King, the kind of sample music. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's kind of where it all initially came from, I guess. Did uh, when when you were hearing your parents music early in the car, was that stuff connecting with you even at that time on on some level like you you enjoyed what they were playing? Yeah, definitely. Big time. Yeah, I played I played a few instruments as a kid. Actually, Bobby doesn't know this, but I did play the drums. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, definitely. Music was always a big thing. But then, like, as I said, I got into skateboarding and I think I just realized that although I had a big passion for skateboarding, I didn't want to get hurt anymore. And uh, I just realized that my love for music kind of outweighed it. And I, I got seriously into DJing. Um, and then that's kind of, yeah, how the, the label kind of came about, really. And where is all this uh, taking place, Dan? Where where are you from? And have you kind of stayed, oh. stayed in that same area so I'm from uh, California. No, I'm <laughs> um, yeah, I'm from a place called Milton Keynes in England. Um, so I've been here like pretty much all my life, to be fair. I did actually live in Cali for a bit. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Milton Keynes, England. And uh, are you growing up kind of around a lot of people that are that are playing music? I know you said you, you played instruments as a kid. So is that part of the, the family dynamic or just something? I think my mom, my mom and dad just always kind of like, you know, let me do what I wanted to do, but kind of put me in that direction. And, and if it was going to take off, it, it would take off kind of thing. And I did the drums for a few years, but my neighbors didn't want me to have a drum kick. It was too loud. And then, <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of why I stopped playing the drums. Um, so, yeah. Did you get, uh, before getting into DJing, were there any other instruments that, that you got kind of more deep into or 
Was it kind of always mm. just kind of picking them up, learning a little bit and moving on? Yeah, I think I think I'd stopped playing instruments by the time I got into DJing. I got into DJing really through, a, a, you know, through again, my skateboarder friends. Um, and just like, I remember going to a friend's house and they were just cutting it up on the turntables. And I was just like, oh, wow. Like, I just want to get good at that. So like, I would, I would just practice every day, like scratching um, and DJing. So I put a lot of time into that. And then that's where, like, I think the buzz for vinyl kind of came about. Yeah. Um, and starting the label, really. Because originally, just moving on to how that all kind of started, the it started as an online record store. So we weren't actually a label at first. So I got into DJing. Me and my friend Peter, we talked about doing our own thing. Um, and we started King Underground as a, as a retail outlet online. And then he dropped out about a year a year into it. And I did the retail store for probably about seven years. Um, and it was like, it was just kind of like breaking even. It was, it was real tough. Um, and then I met, um, I booked an artist. I was putting like gigs on in my hometown. And I booked an artist called Lewis Parker. He's like a UK like hip hop legend. Um, and after the show, he said, would I be interested in releasing an album of his? So that's kind of, it was just like an organic growth really. So I wasn't too sure really, like, it, you know, if it was a good idea, I spoke to a few people and they were all like, oh man, it will, it will fly. Um, we did a small, small run of 300 units. Um, and it sold out in, I think in the first day or something. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, oh, wow, there is some hope with uh, this final game. <laughs> yeah, um, having that, you know, that first run with that first artist sell out that quickly, did that kind of create any, uh, I don't I don't know, did that create any sort of like false success in your mind or anything like to the point where you're just like, oh, this is going to be how it goes like when if i'm if i'm putting something out everything is just gonna sell out definitely yeah and to be honest at first it was a little like that you know you would do runs of vinyl and they would sell out but it's got to the point now because like when i started the label obviously there were a lot of labels around but there weren't as many as there are now so many independent labels have popped up in the last you know 10-15 years um so the the market's a bit more saturated so back then, you know, I would release records and they would sell out in a, in a few days kind of thing. But I think that, you know, you can still do that with some some releases. But I think that era's kind of gone a little bit now. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. don't you know, don't get me wrong. Like that first record did really well and, you know, it sold out quick. But money's always tough running a record label. <laughs> well, especially when you're pressing vinyl, right? Yeah. Just the, the cost on that is is so expensive oh it's insane yeah it really is when you first started that that more retail era of the store what kind of stuff were you selling at that point was it like a specific genre of of vinyl yeah, that you mean, were selling yeah we were doing a lot of like independent hip-hop okay um and you know we would do some funk soul that kind of stuff um but yeah it was really a lot of hip-hop then so when you put when you put that first record out, you kind of had that audience already a bit. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, because Lewis is like, you know, in the UK, he's he's a a big 
big UK artist. He was signed to Virgin, had a two album deal on, on Virgin in, in the nineties. Um, so he's, you know, got a big following already. So it just created, it just set the platform off for us, you know? Yeah. Um, and then released a bunch of other independent hip hop artists after that, really. And are you still also putting on some local shows at this point too? Yeah, I put on a, quite a few. Um, and I met a few artists through that. I've made a lot of connections through putting on gigs. Um, and I've released a few, you know, unknown artists that have kind of, you know, gone on to do to do better things from, from us releasing them, which is always a good good feeling. Yeah. And I would imagine, you know, putting those shows together, you're really getting that experience of seeing what an artist or a band can do live and see if it kind of has like legs outside of the recordings definitely yeah definitely um so what's kind of uh what is your day-to-day as the as the the head of this king underground record label what what does it look like to to be involved in this right now Mm, i guess it's a lot of like kind of project managing a lot of releases really um and it's kind of like naturally got to where it is now so i'm really trying to make it a little bit more business streamlined and you know really focusing on release schedules and accounting and just really trying to get the the nuts and bolts of the label sorted um you know i do run it on my own but i do have people that i outsource work to like we have a fulfillment center um, you know, so a lot of jobs are outsourced. Um, so a lot, it's a lot of organization really. Yeah. And, um, what is it like kind of running a, a label in 2020 with all the different things going on? Because, you know, 15 years into the game, you've obviously seen different shifts in the, in the music business and, and different trends and whatnot. Definitely. I think we got into it. I wish I'd, you know, well, not to wish my life away, but had I been <laughs> 10 years, <laughs> had I been 10 years older and started the, the label 10 years earlier, or, you know, I think we would have been in it at that right time when people were doing good units of records. You know, I missed that era. Um, but now, you know, things are definitely getting better. Like we're selling more units than, than we used to. And, Things are increasing, but it's, you know, back in the day when people were probably selling 10 to 40,000 of an independent 12 inch, those days are long gone, you know? So <laughs> it is real tough, but yeah. you know, for me, I, I really enjoy it. It's not my, it's like, it's a passion project that is always going to be a passion project, but it's also my business, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you, you, I would imagine you kind of have to love it to create that some sort of sustainability since, yeah. it, like, doing an independent label is a lot of times a labor of love and it's not easy to, uh, to make money doing it. No, definitely. But I get up every day and I'm eager to get up and get to work. You know, I'm like rushing in the morning to get my breakfast cooked so that I can actually get on my work and, that's a good feeling because, you know, I know that people haven't, that have a nine to five certainly don't want to rush to get to work. Yeah. 
I think that's exciting too. And I'm sure that the artists that you are working with see that as well. And, and that's probably one of the reasons that they want to, uh, to work with you. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Um, yeah. Can you put into words or describe it all? What that feeling is when you kind of like know that you want to work with an artist or. Hmm. Um, in what sense? Like when, when you come across an artist like, like hype Hulk, for example, or. Sure. Yeah. Like how do you, how do you, how did you find out about high pulp and then what makes you say, Hey, I want to reach out to these yeah. folks and, and, uh, see if we can collaborate. Well, with high pulp, I was actually, cause we have uh, a release through from the new master sounds, um, on our label. So I was looking through, um, the new master sounds Bandcamp page and right at the very bottom, it just comes up with recommendations and it came up with high pulp. So I clicked on their, profile and then i listened to one track and i was like oh wow and then i googled them found all these youtube videos of them live and i was like oh man these guys are crazy and then in my head i'm thinking because i went onto the band camp and then i went onto dutch records and it just looked like they were signed but i just thought you know what i'm just gonna send them an email um so i just yeah just sent an email to to the email address that was on there um, just really expressing how much I like the music and I would love to do something if if there's an opportunity there. Um, and then Bobby got back saying that, yeah, there was an opportunity. Um, so, yeah, that was exciting because I've, I've kind of been looking for a band like that for a long, long time. And I've hit up a few similar bands in the past and they've just already been signed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just like pure luck, really. <laughs> when you said... Go I'm sorry. When you when you say uh, a band like that, can you expand upon that at all? Yeah, like do you know uh, the band The Expansions? Uh, I know of. I'm not super familiar yeah. with their their. Uh, their so music. it was a similar thing. I'd come across them on Bandcamp, and then actually realised later. Oh, actually, I had their record in my Discogs want list. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I hit them up, and they they were all designed, or they do their own thing. I actually ended up doing a record with the drummer from from the expansions anyway with the solo record um and yeah so that's just that's my kind of music like like jazz funk I really like that kind of stuff yeah um and it's hard you know to find like bands that are you know when you're doing this for the love and stuff you you, you can't just put out anything but at the same time I need to release music I need to have constant releases coming out Right. To keep the momentum going. So, yeah, to come across a band like that, you're like, oh, man. And, yeah, I was just amazed that they weren't signed. Like, I think I've just got lucky here. <laughs> yeah. And it's exciting, too, because going back to what you're saying, of you know, just really loving what you're doing, you've got, I would imagine, you really have to love what you find and what you choose to put out, being you are putting so much behind it. Definitely, yeah, hundred um, percent. But like I say, yeah, it's really hard to, you know, because music it, it's it's really hard to find any albums that you like a hundred percent all the way through. Um, so I think you have to look at it objectively sometimes as well. Um, 
but yeah, that's that's the aim of the game is to find stuff that you really really want to back. You can't it's, you can't promote something that you're not backing yourself. You know. Right. Absolutely. Um, and how much of it, you know, is also about the connection you make with the people after you are introduced to their music. Oh man, big yeah. That's that's why the high pole things just like been so easy because like me and Bobby before we kind of you know agreed to do anything we did like whatsapp calls every night for a, you know a good few nights and and we just vibed straight away so you know if you can't work with someone you know it's, it's never going to work is it so yeah I think it's all about negotiation in these things um it's, it's the only way it's going to work really for sure yeah, I I tried to get uh some some insight on you through through Bobby <laughs> through my cousin and uh, I just asked him. I was like, "What's Dan like?" You know, and he's just like, "Dude, he's just chill. He's just, <laughs> he's just a good like he's the homie. He's he's a good hang." So yeah, no, um, that's it. That's what I want. I want I want to create a label which is a home for artists like. And I like, I don't mind doing one-off projects, but I really, I, I really want to build artists, you know, especially like, you know, artists like High Pulp where, you know, they're at where they are now. But if you look at the bigger picture, hopefully in five years time, you know, they could be doing good, really big numbers and, and touring worldwide. Yeah. Um, so I want to kind of build together, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's nice to be able to build those types of relationships. Um, I've been doing this this podcast for like a little over four years out of portland oregon and i've had the opportunity to kind of get an inside look at a lot of the artists that have continued on and it's it's uh it's really fun to like build those relationships over time and and check in with those people and see where they're at with their development process and you know having bands on once a year just to check in and and see how they're doing and i like you also when I started this, I started putting on shows in Portland. So that was like also my, you know, my entry into creating those relationships as well. So I, I admire what you're doing with the King underground, Dan. Oh, thank you, man. And I really, I really think that, um, I know I'm a little biased because, because Bobby is my cousin, but I've seen a lot of bands and a lot of live music since I moved up to Portland in the Pacific Northwest. And, uh, I think you, you found like one of the best bands in, in the Pacific Northwest with high pulp and their, their live wow. shows are just so incredible. And it makes it even that much more special for me to like, get to watch my cousin, you know, kind of at the helm of this thing in some ways, uh, you know, playing drums for this band and, uh, it's so exciting to watch everybody go and dance at these shows, especially when you, you know, when you're at one of those big Seattle shows that they're doing yeah. and, and the place oh, man, is just, sure, act, yeah. With higher pop, you know, I said to Paul, I'm the lucky one here. Cause they could assign, they would have signed to someone like I, I was just really lucky to, <laughs> to get those guys, you know, but the other thing as well, which I, I think Bobby um, and the band liked is that, I'm really into sound and like, you know, they, the, the first album we're putting out, Bad Juice, which is a reissue of their, their first album, they released it on a one LP and it was like 40, 
four minutes on on a one LP, right? And Bob just said it was it, it was just too much, and I was like, look, let's just do a, a double LP, you know, eight tracks, um, just for sound quality wise, you know, which obviously costs a lot more to do a double LP, um, but just things like that, I'm really like. I really want the records to sound as good as they can, you know. Like we spent a lot of money on on the mastering and and having the the third party engineer cut the lacquers and all this stuff, which you know you don't need to do. You could do it without it and still sell the units. But I want to be, I want to put out a record and feel feel proud and and listen to it and think, yeah, that sounds crazy. And, and the test presses sound so good, so. Well, yeah. yeah, even the uh, I have one of the original pressings mm. and just even hearing the remaster of, of Hokai, I think you can hear pretty significant difference. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I've talked to, to Bobby a lot about that, of just about how excited he was that you were like interested in, in doing that and making it like this double LP. Cause yeah, there, it's good music and it deserves to be at like the highest quality possible. And I'm sure that's like another thing that attracted them to you, your, your willingness to, to do that and kind of your commitment to what they are doing and, you know, wanting I always it. feel like music gives you a feeling as well. You know, if you listen to like an old, like, I don't know if you're into hip hop, but if you listen to like a old gangstar, like full clip 12 inch, it's so loud. And <laughs> just the, feel, the feeling it gives you, you know, you listen to the MP3 version on, on YouTube, you just don't get the same. The music's the same, but that feeling you get off a, a well mastered, you know, in the room sound is just, you know, something else. And it's same with the second high pulp record that we've got coming out um, for Black Friday um, in November. Like um, Drew had done all the mixes, their engineer had, had done some really, really good mixes. And then I brought in Patrice, uh, my guy who's like mixes for, well, he, he mixed uh, Celine Dion's record recently, funnily enough. <laughs> Not sure if that's a good thing or not. <laughs> I mean, it shows his credibility, I think. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Um, he he is up there, you know. He's really, really, really knows his stuff, um, and you know, brought Patrice in just to like just to tweak the mixes and the sound. It's just they're incredible, and yeah. And we all jumped on a on a, a Zoom call, all of us with Drew and Patrice, kind of showed him what he'd done, and you know, I just feel like it's for everyone. It's all a learning curve and and, and kind of like growing together, you know. Yeah, and that's great to like be able to come to the table sort of all together on something mm. like that because i you know i know what a big part of the band drew is in his own right you know mm. so that's very cool um yeah for for people that may or not understand like what is there's there's like an additional process like if you're gonna put something out on a vinyl record there's a different kind of mastering that has to take place. Can you uh, provide some sort of layman's terms on on like the difference between the two, or you know why that's necessary for for making a vinyl record? Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think of the best way. Well, because basically what you do is once you've got your mixes back from your engineer, 
you would have a version that's mastered by your mastering engineer for digital and then they would make a separate version that's not processed um this is keeping it real simple that's that's not processed that you would then send to the person that cuts the lacquers and then when they cut the lacquers they process it so i don't know if that makes any sense or not really because Basically, when you if you send a record to a pressing plant to get it pressed at a plant, they'll have their engineers there who will who will cut the lacquers for you, but they'll just do a flat cut. They'll just cut it however you sent it to them. But what we're doing is using a third party engineer, um, and he'll cut it and process it and listen to the digital masters and try and match the masters of the vinyl version so that it sounds pretty, you know much the same yeah um, i don't know if that makes any sense or not yeah i think i think that makes definitely makes sense is that something that you kind of picked up on early when you started pressing records that um as far as like kind of outsourcing to an additional mixer instead of yeah. doing what you're talking about of just kind of like pressing whatever they had sent you yeah i mean look let's just face it when you send stuff to the plant they they don't really care they just they just let it run they'll just let the 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 lack of cut um, and they're not they're not going to do anything to it. Um, and the difference from using a third party engineer and having professional mixers is it's really so different. Because when I first started releasing records, I didn't know about all this stuff, you know. Um, so now when I compare my old records that I released early on to, to the records these days, it's just, yeah, there's no comparison, really. Um, but it does cost a lot more to do it the way we're doing it now yeah but it's just so much wider and in the room you know yeah absolutely i mean i i definitely i have quite a few records and you can definitely tell the ones that are you know done on a budget or a a very tight budget and the ones where they were like no we're really gonna go for it here and make sure this thing sounds really amazing yeah and there's also two ways these days of doing records there's a um, direct um, metal master um, and a lacquer cut. So if you send stuff to most of the plants these days and you don't specify that you want it uh, a lacquer cut, it will just be a DMM press. So there's big debates about it, but in my in my head, there's no there's no comparison uh, between the two. Sorry, my phone's going. Oh, you're all right. <laughs> um, and yeah, having the DMM press is just a lot cheaper way of pressing vinyl. They just skip the, the, the lacquer stage and they just cut it straight into the metal. Um, but it just doesn't sound anywhere as good. Yeah. So, you know, again, for me, we could still sell the same amount of units regardless of how we press them. But you want to feel good, you know, with what you're doing, really. Yeah. Um I don't know. Has there been any hold hold up on production during, do like due to the COVID stuff going on globally? There's definitely is now. There wasn't because people weren't ordering records because they were all worried about you know should they order their next release because no one knew what was going on with the world. But now all the plants are completely backed up with all these orders they're trying to catch up with. So yeah, there is a bit of a delay. 
not major, but I think you're looking if, you know, if you ordered your record today, you might get it middle of September, maybe October kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I've, so, even, I've even noticed, um, I don't know if there's like a correlation between, you know, them being slammed, all of these different record plants, but even the couple times that I've been out to some of my favorite local Portland record stores it just seems like there's a lot of stuff missing and it's not quite as full as it usually is and things that i've kind of you know it's always those records that you want that you see every time that you go into the store and you're like no this is always here i'll just get it whenever and then you go in that day and you're like no i do want to get this classic today and it's just not there anymore yeah and i kind of just like ran into a lot of that the last couple weeks yeah i think it will catch up though you know i think uh it will get it will get back to normal, but yeah, it's definitely a bit like that at the minute. Maybe more so in the states as well. And do you uh, do you run into production uh, problems as far as the pressings very often, mm-hmm. where where you just get a box of records that is just no good, or the, just a lot of you know well, we, mishaps? We always do test presses. I've never ever re- pressed a record without a test pressing. So you get your test press and obviously you check it out to make sure it's going to be all right. And I have had one, this is pre before I used third party engineers for the lacquers. Um, and there was a problem with the, with the, the test presses and nobody would take responsibility. The, the plant wouldn't take responsibility. The mastering engineer wouldn't take responsibility. I'm left in the middle to, you know, fit this bill to get it cut again. Um, it went on for months. In the end, we had just agreed to go half and half on it. Um, but, you know, there's there's little things like you get damaged sleeves and, yeah. But on for the most part, touch wood, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, you're obviously super dedicated to what you're doing and, and love it a lot. Is there somebody when you started getting King Underground going, was there somebody kind of along the way that, that you looked up to or just kind of like mentored you in some ways or has been like really instrumental in, in the process of making this a sustainable thing for you or, or have you kind of learned from a lot of different folks? Mm. I've always just tried to have good people around me, you know, but I guess the, the most thing is, you know, some, some good friends that have, if it weren't for some of my friends that like... <clears throat> My friend Darren, um, who did all my IT early on, um, you know, for no money, basically. Um, Hugh Bowles um, from Mr. Bongo, used to work in Mr. Bongo. He's like really, really put me in the right direction. And my friend Richard uh, Brown, who's done a lot of design. You know, it's just about having the right people around you, really. And then the rest of it, I've just kind of, learnt myself and I learnt the hard way a lot of it you know like pressed records that you know now I'm not happy with but yeah I've I've just really honed in on all these little things that I want to do to make the product as, as quality as it can be and I just want the label to stand out and I feel like these days people just put out you know anyone can put out a record now anyone can just go into a plant and press a record and and it won't sound very good and I want to make sure our records aren't like that, you know, even if it costs a bit more. Yeah. And 
I don't know. Going back to what you were saying, as far as you know, there's there's some records in the catalog that maybe you're not super happy about at this point, but I think that's you know the natural growth process, you mm-hmm. know, and, and getting to where you're at and kind of perfecting the craft. If the if if you're not ever like doing anything wrong, there's nothing to kind of adjust. I think and like learn from. And yeah, even doing this, you know, 220 episodes deep. There's quite a few of these looking back where I'm just like, oh, man, I, I was really bad with like at this in the beginning. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't here yet. I didn't know how to guide a conversation in any way at that point, you know, yeah. just kind of doing it by the seat of my pants. <laughs> yeah, it's all the progression, you know. And like you say, you know, you, you have to do stuff to get better at stuff. So... Yeah, but, you know, those records in the past, I've got ideas to, you know, put them out again one day, remastered and and sounding like I want them to sound. So, yeah. Um, some of the releases you're doing are kind of more like older releases from bands that you're repressing. Is that Not true? really. Or... Only, yeah, not really. No, I've only done, I've done one um, reissue from, from a band called Crack. Okay. Um, they were called Crack before the Crack epidemic. As well. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've been around for a long time. So I reissued that. And then I've recently um, put out a new Master Sounds record, which they had never released from 2003. Okay, that was um, the one I was I was checking out a bit. And uh, yeah, that, that was so, why, why I asked that question. Yeah, so with that one, I mean it's a big honor to have the new mask sounds on my label and i think that itself you know impressed bobby and stuff when they saw that they were like oh wow new mask sounds on there and that was because i released a drum break record with simon allen the drummer from the new master sounds so we just kind of built up a a good rapport um, and that's how that that record came about but other than that it's all pretty much yeah new material i mean i have some more reissues coming i've got a library series of um cavendish music library and if you know those it's like a old british library company um so yeah there is more reissues coming but my my thing is to put out new music really yeah um but the reissues definitely help with you know you can sell a few more numbers of reissues and are are you still uh actively djing as well i mean obviously you're not djing anywhere out right now but is that something you still uh spend time dedicating your energy yeah to? I, mean, I dj yeah but i'm like bedroom dj number one <laughs> <laughs> like yeah i do dj weekends I'm, I'm practicing i'm trying to get a mix together at the minute but i don't have time to play out anymore like i had to make that decision i do make music as well I had to make that decision of what I'm focusing on. And I'm, I'm really, really like really focused on the label right now. So I'd like to DJ out more, but yeah, it's just, it's something I'm addicted to doing. Sometimes it seems pointless. I think, why am I practicing when <laughs> I'm never going to play out? But I just, I just love DJing. Yeah. It's super fun. I mean, I, I don't, uh, I don't do any vinyl DJing. I've been, you know, messing with some Serato the last couple of years and doing, like you're saying, a lot of bedroom, you know, DJing and putting out a mix here and there and doing some, you know, a bar gig here and there, but you know, nothing serious, but there's just something like so fun, even when you're by yourself, 
mixing music together and like finding the cuts and everything even even when you're yeah. doing it on like a digital platform and i know there's like so much more dynamic involved in doing it on actual vinyl and all the scratching dynamics no i, I know no definitely i think uh for me i need I'm, I'm about to do a mix together for a youtube channel and i i think i need that because i need something to kind of make me like you know actually get a mix together because it is quite hard work going through loads of records and i'm really picky with it i want it to be like i just want all the tracks to to go really really well so yeah i think i need that at the minute and it'd be good to play out again for that reason because it would make me actually like you know because on the weekend i might just end up like doubling up a few records a few mixes a, li a little practice you know not doing as much as I, I probably should do yeah what's the what's the status out there in england right now like are are places open can people go see music at at this point um i think you can my brother went out on the weekend and uh he went to some like you know music venue but it's more like there's no you can't get up on the dance floor or anything like that right it's just it's just some music playing but things are definitely opening up more like you know i went to a coffee shop today took my laptop and just did some work in there which i haven't done for months so it's slowly getting back but obviously we're worried that you know we'll quickly be back on lockdown yeah must be nice to to get a change in environment though for sure i'm grateful that yeah. like my my day-to-day -day job my nine to five grind is uh never shut down during this so i've i've had that to uh not keep myself inside yeah for sure um bobby was telling me that that king underground is working is, is there like a video game and soundtrack that you guys are working on is that a thing um, happening or a soundtrack to a video game oh there's yeah well it's not a hundred percent yet so uh i don't know uh yeah it's not been signed off but it should be a grand theft auto oh. um song on, on on grand theft auto but we're waiting to find out i don't want to get too excited all right. about it all right <laughs> <laughs> he's he's leaking information to me dan yeah um, um well, let me let me close out with these two things then, from sure. the perspective of of a label, someone running an independent label and for doing it as long as you have, um, what do you think is like the most beneficial thing an artist can do for themselves early on in their musical career to kind of propel themselves or like um, just try to you know put themselves in a good position to to build something sustainable mm, i think you know focusing on making your stuff stand out from the rest obviously musical wise but also like everything these days is all social media orientated so how you're coming across online i think is a is a really big thing um and you know putting that extra effort into if it means paying the designer to do your album cover and it means paying someone to master your record and, you know, you might break even on your first few records, I think looking at the bigger picture is the key, really, because everyone's putting out music now. So you need to kind of stand out with, with what you're doing um, and just have, like, passion in, in what you want to do, you know. Like, if you're getting on records to make money, 
I'd forget it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that can happen, but you know, it's maybe a one out of ten. <laughs> yeah, I th- you definitely have to like sideline those thoughts of making money. Um and from yeah. from what you're saying, it sounds like, you know, you gotta kinda put that off for for a while and and yeah you know hope to i mean i think breaking even at this point for independent artists especially if they're putting out a vinyl is like a win at this point yeah. right definitely especially but you know I, I i've got to kind of big up labels as well because a lot of people are putting out their own music um <clears throat> but i i feel you know if you go with the right label they're giving you a platform that you you're not going to get from doing it yourself if you're a big band like the new master sound, you can go on any re- label and you're going to sell out just because you, you've already got that following. But, you know, for upcoming artists, if you can get onto a label, they're going to put you out there to, to people that, you know, you're not going to reach straight away. So, yeah. Right. Just opening up the, uh, the audience for you, especially, you know, if you're in a completely different part of the world. And it's just connections, you know, the, the, you know, the kind of connections that I've got now, it's, it's been 15 years of, of building those connections. So things take time, you know? Absolutely. Um, and then on the, on the flip side of that, for anybody that is maybe out there wanting to know how to start a record label or put that first record out from an artist, um, what do you have to to offer those people with your 15 years of experience? Hmm, what, to actually start a label then? Yeah, if, if someone's kind of been sitting out there thinking about starting a label and maybe they have an artist in mind that they they really love and have the passion for and feel like it's worth in, investing in, what what is... Hmm. Uh, I, think, I think you just answered it, really. Um, <clears throat> I think it's the same, you know, you've, you've kind of got to do it. Because, like... King Underground, it started, like I said, as a passion thing. And it's just naturally got to where it is. Like, I've not given up. That's why it's got to where it is, because I've just like pursued the whole thing. But you've got to have love. You've got to be putting out those records because you really want to put them out um, and just build that way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's all impressive, man, and I appreciate you taking your time to uh, to talk to me about you know the story of how you kind of build this thing up and and to where it's at now and i love that uh you kind of bridge some of it with with skateboarding being this <laughs> integral part of the process because uh i've never been good at skateboarding i've just always been like really infatuated with skateboarders i never and, said i never said i was good then <laughs> yeah hey but like I don't know, I've just always been infatuated with the with skateboarding. I still watch like a lot of skate videos, on, like yeah. on the weekly. And I think you know, you you talked about in the beginning how skateboarding ultimately like led you to hip hop. And mm. I, man, even now, I can't say how much good music I find watching skate videos. Mm. The music, there's just, there's always tons of songs that I'm just like, oh, what is this? Things I've never heard before. Maybe I am familiar with it, but there's still like this incredible resource to to find good music. And I think skateboarding and music have always kind of like gone hand in hand in some ways with each other. And I just think like skateboarding is as much of an art um, as music. Like Mouse. 
the girl video. Have you seen Mouse? Uh, no. Oh man, Dan, you is it is it Mouse. new? Is it a new no, one? No, ninety six. I okay. think Mouse. All right, but like that there is my musical inspiration, really. Um, yeah, it's got like Herbie Hancock, Watermelon Man, um, Royal Flush, Worldwide, um, Shining Star. Uh, I can't think of the band now. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Just all these tracks oh, yeah. that I as a kid you know and and yeah yeah and it's interesting like watching it uh like seeing listening to music even if you're familiar with it when you see it like set to something different like maybe skateboarding it kind of like completely changes the feel of it i love just like when you're watching a skate video and it's like maybe some heavy like punk rock song and then the next the next clip is this low tempo like low tempo soul song and it's just like oh this works for this also this is crazy yeah, definitely but i'll put i'm gonna put mouse that girl video uh on the you know that's going on the dan cable presents watch list for everybody out yeah. there so this is this is dan englander's uh you know his recommendation that you go out there and you you watch this video and you you get inspired <laughs> um well cool man I'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can keep up with King Underground. I, I've been cruising through the catalog myself, and I think you have so much cool music that you're putting out. Um, and, it, you know, just a lot of different feels with the with the artists you have on the roster, for sure. Yeah, no, it's been good to make that, uh, you know, connect to all these dots, you know, getting high pulp and connecting to people in Seattle. And it's all an ongoing process. Right on. Um, should we maybe play it out with uh, something from the new master sounds, or oh, what? Me... Or or what would you like to play it out with? Anything you would you would like? It doesn't have to be a particular artist. Okay, let's go for it. Do you, if you have it there, do you have Magic and Freeze Finnish Funk? They're a real dope, uh, like library library type funk band from from Nashville. Cool. We're gonna play it out with uh, Magic and Freeze then. And uh, we end every episode with the uh, the guest of the show saying the tagline for the podcast, which is "It's a program." So if we can get the Dan Englander, "It's a program." Yeah. I saw uh, High Pulp did it all in <laughs> <laughs> all out of time. Yeah. So what is it? It's in the program. Uh, it's it's a program. It's a program. You already did it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, thanks for jumping on this thing with me and uh, making making the times work. I know we're uh, you know, a few time zones away, so that's uh, good. Well, I appreciate you uh, you having me on, Dan. Yeah. Once COVID's done and dusted, then I'll, I'll try and get out to Seattle away, and we can all we can all catch up. Cool, man. We'll see you out here. Uh, be safe, be well, and uh, great to chat with you. And that's the Jelly Jams, everybody. And we will catch you on the flip side, Portland. Peace out.
Ben Dickens, it's a program. <laughs> <laughs>